Let's just hope the 2020 draft doesn't trump this. Posse Packer Nation. Welcome to an episode of Packers, the podcast where you don't have to be a Packers fan, but it sure does help. I'm your host, Tom. Today we're doing history things, damn it. Grassy. And today we are going to be talking about the most heartbreaking draft for the Green Bay Packers. And how this video came to fruition was originally, I was actually gonna do a video on the 2015 Packers draft class and how abysmal that was. But then that got me thinking like, is that the worst draft class? And then that got me thinking even further, maybe, but let's talk about the most heartbreaking one first. Before we get to that, I wanna do a big shout and thank you to a brand new patron over at patreon.com slash Tom Comedy and two new YouTube members. First, we got the Packers should have drafted Chase Claypool. I mean, I could go either way on that one. And also over on the YouTube front, a big shout and thank you to St. Nicholas and Angel J. Thank you very much for your support. It is much appreciated. Now gather around, children. Let's tell a story. The year was 1988, two years before Tom Grassi was born. And so I will be referring to that as BT. And then after my birth will be AT because that's how our calendars should be centered. The Green Bay Packers of the 70s and 80s, let's just say in a word, were... Oof. From 1973 to 1989, the Green Bay Packers had a total of three winning seasons. After winning the first and second Super Bowl in the late 60s, the Green Bay Packers stock was not looking too good. Now fast forward to 1988, the Green Bay Packers are led by first year head coach Lindy Infante, who is just taking over for good old Forrest Gregg. And they did not have a great season. They went four and 12. Actually heading into week 15, they had only won two games, one against the Vikings, suck it, and were well on their way to getting the first overall pick in the 1989 draft. However, the Green Bay Packers actually won their last two games, one against the Minnesota Vikings, so we swept you, suck it, even when we sucked, and also beating the Phoenix Cardinals. Things were different back then. And so because we won those last two games, there was a little team named the Dallas Cowboys, led by Tom Landry, who decided to suck a little bit more than the Green Bay Packers that year, going 3-13 and and securing the first overall pick. The quarterback for the Green Bay Packers at that time was 10th rounder Don Mikowski, who struggled that year throwing nine touchdowns and 11 interceptions, would have a much better year the following year. But the point is, is that we were most likely going to go for a quarterback if we were in that coveted number one spot. But there was another player that had caught the Green Bay Packers' eyes and sitting at that number two spot, realized that Troy Aikman was probably not going to be there. That man who caught their eye... Tony Mandarich, the monster of a human being, the offensive lineman out of Michigan State. During that time, Tony Mandarich graced the cover of Sports Illustrated magazine in which they claimed he was the best offensive line prospect ever. Full stop. He also had one of the best NFL combines ever ever. And basically at Michigan State, he dominated, winning a ton of different accolades and was seen as a can't miss prospect. And the Packers at that time had a lot of holes. They had Sterling Sharp from the previous draft in which they drafted. So they were decent at wide receiver, but everywhere else was lacking. So Tony Mandridge, this six foot, 315 pound offensive lineman was hyped to the moon, which led to more overhype because of his combine in which he ran a 4.65 40 yard dash. 
That's faster than Jerry Rice's 40 time in his combine. In addition, the guy bench pressed 545 pounds. The guy was a monster. And so basically what I'm saying is, is that Tony Mandrich, the tape from his college years showed that he was a damn good player. His combine freaking just threw gasoline on top of the fire. Now, at that time, there was plenty of allegations that he was on the steroids, considering that he was already balding, had a ton of back acne, and he also had some troubling characteristics like showing up to practices in college drunk or late or what have you. But after that combine, people were like, <laughs> who cares? And so with the first pick of the 1989 draft, you had the Dallas Cowboys draft Troy Aikman, the QB out of UCLA. So with the Packers not able to pick him with the number two pick, they went with Tony Mandarish. Now, this would be a simple story of, oh man, we missed out on Troy Aikman, but no big deal. A couple years later, we would get Brett Favre and we would experience the glory that was the 90s Green Bay Packers, or at least later in the 90s. But unfortunately, the story doesn't end there. To just drive the dagger in a little bit deeper and to twist it, the third pick belonged to the Detroit Lions at the time, who selected a Heisman winner and running back out of Oklahoma State, Barry Sanders. Now, the argument could be made that while this is devastating for the Packers, it was more devastating for Barry Sanders because he had to play for the Lions. But it gets worse because the fourth pick belonged to the Kansas City Chiefs, who decided to go and get Derek Thomas, the linebacker out of Alabama. Yeah, and if you haven't heard of him, don't worry, you will in a second. And then the fifth pick belonged to the Atlanta Falcons, who picked a cornerback out of Florida State, Deion Sanders. Now, a lot of these names you probably know, maybe some that you don't. But the important thing to realize is four out of the first five picks in the 1989 NFL Draft went on to become Hall of Famers. Guess which one didn't? Tony Mandarich. So while we do have the gift of hindsight with this, it's still painful. And it's not like Tony Mandrich then went on to have a very good career or at least decent career because things went pretty south pretty much after we drafted him. It was like driving a car off the lot. As soon as you drive it off, it just depreciates in value. And oh boy, did we buy a lemon. Tony Mandrich wound up holding out until five days before the regular season was supposed to start. He had lost a ton of weight, which a lot of people were like, wait a minute, he, that's because the drug testing. He, he was on steroids, but he was like, nah, it wasn't the drug testing. And during that rookie season of 1989, he did not start a single game. Great for the number two pick. The following year, he started in 1990. And I think what is the epitome of Tony Mandarich's Green Bay Packers career uh, is the game that he played against Eagles defensive end, Reggie White, in which the Packers lost 31 to nothing, and Reggie White humiliated Mandarich. I mean, tossed him around like a rag doll, putting up ridiculous stats that night, which basically just signified, oh yeah, no, this was bad. Tony Mandarich would wind up getting released after the 1991 season, in which he then left for four years to go to rehab because he was suffering from alcohol addiction and also addiction to painkillers. Now, he did claim later that his painkiller addiction led to his 
underwhelming performance is because he just didn't really want to try. And apparently the entire team knew about it. He would be stashing painkillers in a number of different areas. He had, I think, like seven different doctors in Wisconsin so he can continue to get prescription meds. He went to rehab for four years, wound up coming out and actually finishing his career with the Indianapolis Colts for three years and then suffered a shoulder injury in which he refused to go back on painkillers. So while the 1989 season, the year that we drafted Mandridge, actually went pretty well and we went 10-6, and six, we lost a tie breaker to the Minnesota Vikings and they were able to sneak into the playoffs. Following the winning season, the Green Bay Packers in 1990 and 1991 would also put forth losing records, which would eventually lead to good old Ron Wolf being hired as our GM in 1991, who would then go and get Mike Holmgren to be the head coach of the Green Bay Packers and ultimately bringing in Brett Favre from the Atlanta Falcons, therefore creating the legacy of Favre. So looking back at this draft, yeah, it was pretty heartbreaking that we missed out on any of the four <laughs> Hall of Famers uh, that surrounded the Tony Mandarich pick. But this draft also reminds us that the NFL Combine is not everything, college performance is not everything, and three, the Green Bay Packers were just really, really, really unlucky. And plus, if even if we got Troy Aikman, I mean, I, I can't live in a world where Packers fans don't hate Troy Aikman and Joe Buck commentating their games on Sundays. That'd be a weird world, and I don't want to live in it. So what I'm saying is, is basically if you hated the 2020 Packers NFL draft class, it's going to be real tough to get much worse than this. So that's a positive. But let me know what you think down in the comments below. What would the Green Bay Packers have looked like if they got any one of these players? You can always find me at TomGrossyComedy.com or at TomGrossyComedy on all social media. See down below. Check out Packcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and of course YouTube. And a big shout out and thank you to all the patrons over at patreon.com slash comedy and the YouTube members. But thanks so much for watching. Let me know if you liked this. It was something a little bit different. Figured why not? It's the off season. Why not? Maybe I'll do more of them. Or not. I don't know. But thanks so much for watching. I'm Tom Grassi. And as always, go pack up. Go pack up.